When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. But somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Back Pain Solutions features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better back health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back the smart way. Okay, welcome back to the Back Pain Solutions podcast, everybody, with me, Ben James, and my co-host, as always, Jacob Stain. Afternoon, Jacob. Hey, Ben. So today, guys, we've got a special guest on the show for you. We're talking around a case study, someone that saw uh, Jacob over in Holland and sought his advice for his back health as well as uh, a previous knee injury as well. And we thought it'd be really useful and insightful to share his story, his background, his frustrations, his successes, uh, and some of the things maybe to think about for all those people listening in this afternoon. So Vincent Hall, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Uh, thanks for having me, Ben and uh, Jakob. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to share my background and uh, my path through this uh, rehabilitation process. Now, that's great. And I think it, it's really beneficial that we bring some of these stories to life because Jacob and I talk a lot about content, information and what people should do, or helpful tips, advice. But really, it's it's great to be able to share a best story and like I say, bring that to life for the people listening. So it's great to have you on the show. And just a little bit of a brief background, I guess, for, for people listening. Who is who is Vincent? Where are you from? And what's your kind of daily job activities and things? Because it, it does provide a bit of insight for those people listening to, to relate to, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, Vincent. I'm from uh, originally from South Africa. Um, grew up there, studied there up until I was about 26 and uh, yeah, then I got a job opportunity to come to Netherlands um, in Eindhoven to work for a, a startup called Exaltus, uh, where we do uh, medical device implants um, for cardiovascular purposes in the cardiovascular field. So yeah, I'm a biomedical engineer uh, working for a startup here. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's about that. That's my background. <laughs> that's where I come from. Um, yeah. So... From uh, being from South Africa, Jacob likes to share how uh, how sporty and and great he was on the on the field when he's uh, back in the back in the South Africa. Was it similar background for you? Similar upbringing with sporting activity, sporting endeavours? Is it fair to say? Oh yeah, I think I would. Uh, I mean, I I don't know the exact but um, exact sports and uh, what what he did, but I know he also played some uh, uh, rugby in his time. Um, same for me. I also have a rugby background as well as some uh, track. Um, so yeah, basically, as like I could remember from probably the age of, I would say ten, nine or ten, literally every th- single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you have either a rugby game or some athletics meeting or some kind of uh, sporting event. I would say five out of the seven days of the week. Yeah, nice, nice, and and. Do you remember, I guess, having any any injuries back then in terms of, you know, when you were younger, did you remember kind of training approach in terms of, you know, in comparison to some of the things that Jacob's shared and advised along the journey? Just interested in terms of the background there, because it seems to be, particularly when we're looking at gym training and things, it, it, there seems to be a lot of false information or not necessarily false, but not not information shared about effectively training core strength and those kind of things and 
maybe that's an issue in terms of resilience and, and preventative medicine and injuries. How how was it for you? Did you did you suffer from any injuries when you were younger, or were you pretty good until coming over to Holland? Pretty much injury free up until the age of fifteen, where I got my first shoulder injury in a rugby practice where I tore my AC ligament. Um, luckily, didn't need uh, a surgery. Um, and then after that, almost every year, some kind of uh, shoulder injury, as any rugby player would know. Um, I was also a flanker, so that made it even more prone. Um, but yeah, I mean, except for, I mean, I would like to call it what the people in the fitness industry would call bro science. Um, the classic biceps, triceps and chest workouts every single day in high school. Um I was never really big into gym in school um, because uh, the athletics get me busy. So, um, but I would say as a result of that as well, I never really got a proper um, a platform for strength training. Whereas most of the stuff we did was cardiovascular based stuff. Um, when I trained on the track for a 400 yeah. meter or when we jumped into the uh, rugby season, you started immediately with, you know, big hits, big tackles. Um, we never really had a proper, like I said, platform. Um, same story up until I was in grade 12, which was my final year of school. Then we actually got a biokinetocyst in that uh, helped us a bit with some proper um, gym training and uh, gave us proper exercises to do. And that was actually quite a good year for me. I did not have one single injury through my whole um, matricia um, of rugby. And, uh, yeah, after that, it actually went well until I would say I was about 20, 21. Um, went to university um, at, uh, at 19. At, when I was about 20, in my end of my second year, I got my first, I would say, proper injury, which is a disc herniation. Um, and uh, literally just be, due to um, me not knowing what to do and not really knowing what my boundaries were. Um, that the ab extender, that ab rollout, try to come up, heard something pop. I was like, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> Let's leave it here. And um, yeah, the next year I did not play any rugby or any sports because I, I was out. So it took you out for a, a long time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's also one of those things prior to, um, through my uh, sporting career in quotation marks i won't say the career but time um i had this uh two specific what would you say um philosophies is if i ever get a neck neck or a back injury i do not um carry on with that sport until i'm fully healed or fully recovered um that those were the two injuries i just felt was not not something you play with, not something you um, try to bypass because um, the effects can be uh, much more longer lasting than you think. Um, well, I think that's a, that's a great take home message for people listening straight away is, uh, you know, there's, a, there's an element of um, being resilient and wanting to work into some discomfort from a rehabilitative point of view. But like you say, you've got to be sensible. And uh, Jacob, I'm sure you're about to reiterate that message. Yeah, well, I want to say you can almost call it a sporting career in South Africa. I, I like to agree with Vincent there because we we do so much sport. And I also, I, I, I was horrible 
on the track. I just did it for uh, for the rugby. But between doing swimming, playing tennis, cricket, rugby, athletics, you know, I think we do so much sport. It's just unbelievable. And I think it's very good for us growing up there. It's, it's a big privilege to have uh, the opportunity to be outside so much and, um, you know, going to a very basic school, primary school, but having all these sporting facilities. And But uh, I, I want to say that I had a very similar event to you, Vincent. I, uh, I was at the Anglo-European College of Chiropractic in England where I studied, and I, I, I was, you know, like always, I feel very strong. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I trained with Ben uh, like a lot of mornings, but I think it was just before I started training with Ben. I can't remember or towards the end of my, um, uh, my college time there, but I... I started doing cross chops, which is pulling the cable across from high up down over your waistline to the bottom. And I was doing it with a massive twist movement, my shoulders on my hips. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't learn to move from my hip. I didn't fix my torso. I, I, I yanked it through my spine. And so I was delaminating my vertebrae, or at least my uh, my discs in between my vertebrae and my low back. And so I was the I was my worst enemy back then. I I literally destroyed my back, and I think that's where my own back trouble started, which led to a hernia a few years later. Yeah, I mean it's that classic combination of the the flexion and the rotation at the same time, which you know for a a, a posterior lateral disc herniation is is classic kind of pattern certainly in terms of repeated exercise and it sounds Vincent, like you were very sporty like a lot of us are when we're young and we're pretty resilient but you did something some form of exercise that, that really was as we call it this, the kind of straw that broke the camel's back it probably wasn't that alone that caused the issue but certainly that moment in time was when you noticed the problem and before then had you been doing a lot of kind of sit-up type exercises had you been doing that kind of what we call flexion-based kind of movements, do you remember? I mean, I can't specifically remember, but uh, knowing I was 20 and uh, <laughs> the ego being quite high, I would assume you want that perfect sculpted abs. Yeah. So I think most probably. But one thing I can remember from that time in that specific uh, training block, I did a lot of um, straight leg deadlifts Okay. Um, for the hamstrings and um, as well – yeah, and I remember that specific day. I think that was my third training session for the day. Um, and that was my last one as well. And uh, when it happened, I immediately knew, yeah, you just overexerted yourself completely. Yeah. Um, and uh, also a big problem as well is when you're in university, I didn't, I, at that moment, I was not a, a professional athlete at all, not even close to it. I studied engineering. I was a professional student. So in that sense, doing three sessions a day is already um, not the best because I don't have the proper dietary plan a professional athlete has. I don't have the proper platform or the proper coach or anything like that. I just go the way I feel. Right. And um, yeah, like you said, I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, exactly that. I want to mention there that you've been working on that injury for a few months beforehand already. So you've been building up to that moment where it popped and it was just too much. Yeah. Especially with a disc, this type of injury, uh, you know, so most likely you've been making some movements that were not favorable to 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 your back and, and actually not favorable to 
uh, real core strength or stability, as we call it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's exactly what happened to me as well. And it was a massive eye-opening experience for me, which led me to be able to, to help guys like you. Obviously, yeah, and back to learning more about it. Back to the kind of mechanism of injury as well. If you, if you're studying a lot, then that generally, inevitably, for a lot of people, involves a lot of sitting down. So if you've already got a bit of a disc injury going on, and you're sitting down a lot, and you're flexing the back a lot, that's continuing this kind of, as we call it, picking the scab, aggravating that issue, causing that issue to progress, and then bang, you do this exercise, and suddenly it goes. And and often it's the case people just assume that that one incident has caused the problem where inevitably it hasn't so mm. it's a it's a pretty common i would guess uh, story for a lot of people listening that have suffered a similar issue they've they've done something probably that they feel caused the issue but it's 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 asking the questions and making sure you see someone that really digs into the history to find out what you were doing before that as well so what did you do at that point, Vincent? What was the what was the kind of approach for you? Did you did you hope it would just go away? You were studying at the time, presumably you didn't have much disposable income to get some help, maybe. I don't know. What was the what was the approach you took to uh yeah. to repair? Yeah, so the initial approach was well, I firstly went to see the doctors and general practitioners. Eventually I went to the orthopedic surgeon, got an MRI and confirmed that I do have a disc herniation. Um and uh, the doctor recommended that I go to uh, see a biokineticist. So I'm not certain if you're familiar with the term biokineticist. It's a yeah. very much a South African term. Um, but um, at that moment, our family, we we weren't really big on rehabilitation. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things we, we never really investigated. It's not one of the things we grew up with. Um, so we, we, we kind of thought it was. Right. Uh, I went about three months for this up until a point where I had to, if I had to, yeah, if I had to like put on my clothes, anything I had to sit, I couldn't do any bending movement at all. It was, it was so painful. Um, well, I eventually went to my parents and said, listen, yeah, the doctor did recommend this biokineticist. I don't want to be like this my whole life. Um, let's go and see that. Um, went to him and, uh, he, he started helping me out and uh, it's about took about a year until I could fully go back to normal routine, um, go to the gym, play rugby again. And actually after that, I've never had any problems with my back at all up until beginning of this year. So that's about, what, five or six years of uh, no pain. And that's including in between another two or three years of full-on rugby um, uh, straight through the year um so as a bit of background do you remember what what he recommended you do was there was there manual treatment or what sort of advice do you get do you remember yeah so i could just remember his um training philosophy as well was very much glute based um most of the exercises was focused on getting my glutes correct um well nice and fine and strong um i can't really remember how much of core how much uh, he talked about core stuff. I do remember there was some stuff in it, but like I said, that's already five or six years ago. But most of it was um, glute activation type of things, getting that real strong. And um, yeah. Was there any talk about uh, avoiding pain triggers, uh, you know, education on movement or how you... Um, I can't actually say specifically. I remember there was one point here at the end I would say my last 
um, rehabilitation block, um, he did mention that, yeah, there were certain movements that caused this, but I have to um, slowly and systematically go back into that movement um, so that my body can get used to that again. And for me, it was that rollout. And uh, one of the progression steps was to do a type of rollout similar to that uh, pot stirrers. Yeah. Um, but you, you just roll forward. Yeah. Um, on the ball or like with an ab wheel? Oh, no, on the ball. No, no, no. Okay. no. <laughs> he said I should stay away from the ab wheel, which I have. I've never touched the ab wheel again. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you've got some, some, from what you shared there, some pretty good advice in terms yep. of, you know, compared to what a lot of, you know, a lot of the stories that you hear, that kind of glute activation and setting that stable, um, strong platform is, is really, really important. The, the kind of stir the pot type exercise you suggested is a very great good way of training the anterior abdominal wall in a neutral spine in a neutral posture which is what we recommend but you say it took a good year to 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 really feel the benefit of of that that approach do you think that was because it you'd left it for a period of time before getting that input do you think um i have to be honest i would say about six to seven months in I was actually good enough to go back to normal um, sports. But I think the the year part was very much a mental part as well. Um, sure. I Definitely. think that was, that was the extra five months to add to that year or four months to add to that, to that year cycle um, because there was always this kind of thing nagging at the back of my head. Oh, man, if I'm going to do some kind of move and if I tackle a guy like this, if I get up like this, that the – Thing is going to trigger again and it actually did happen um you know there were certain movements where the next day i could feel my back's uh painful um is sore again but it was actually more of a mental thing than actual pain yeah um so that that was where the, the four or five extra months came in is more to get mentally over the fact that you know i did do my rehab correct i am i'm fit enough to do all these things at the pace i did before yeah um just need to believe that I'm I'm fit enough. Well, that, that's a big deal. The they call it fear avoidance behavior, and uh, I, I know exactly what you're referring to with my own experience. You know, coming back from my hernia, also took about a year. And uh, you just you you know you want to have certainty and you want to know that you're ready to go back. And you get these little twitches in your back, and you're like, oh, what's that, man? Is that like because I'm my am I back yeah. there? And I'm like, you have to mentally get over that and um you know i don't think within a year even two three years you're ever back to what it was like before because mcgill this the researcher that we follow about the back he says to recover fully from a hernia maybe i've mentioned mentioned this to you during the treatments uh vincent is that you need 10 years to fully recover what he refers to there is for the disc to actually fully stiffen again to become very Okay. Uh, um, durable and, and be able to cope with uh, forces that go through. It takes up to 10 years, you know. So one year is a short time, but then I think if you do the, if the rehab is good and you, you, you know, you, you train the, the neural input to absorb certain forces if you go back to rugby and, and anything like that, you can do it, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important and we reiterate this message so often. Uh, it's the daily hygiene 
it's the daily routine it's the daily things that that we're doing each day that allow that recovery to occur because inevitably the lives that we lead are often the problem because when you're we're not designed to do what we do whether that's sitting at a desk all day or doing those repetitive motions and so it'd be interesting Vincent to kind of get your input now in terms of how this this back pain started again at the beginning of the year do you feel that you kind of drifted out of this that reset rehab mindset or that approach what was there anything that that was a triggering factor at the beginning of this year can you remember do you feel you might have got a bit complacent with it do you think Oh, Ben, yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, to be honest, and I'm still kind of baffled about that because as uh, Jakob also mentioned uh, earlier in this uh, session is that I actually went to him for a knee injury. So I have uh, quite a messed up knee and uh, it's been about three or four years that I'm trying to rehab it and uh, fix it up. So all of my uh, rehab up until now was very much um, glute-based, um, rehabilitation based which I would think kind of transfers into um, getting your core uh, nice and strong um, but so that was why I was quite baffled getting this uh, disc herniation pain again um, I think what might have triggered is at that point I was in between a, a, a training block that uh, I was kind of uh, upper body training now that I wasn't sure what to do so I did a lot of um, battle ropes, a lot of um, stuff where you do a lot of extension uh, of the back um, and uh, are very much in a hinged position, um, which I think might have uh, triggered that, uh, uh, yeah, just that uh, desk to give some more trouble again. Yeah, yeah. Um, you didn't. You didn't do any any deadlifts or any good mornings again at the beginning of the year. Um. No, no, not uh, okay. not that I remember of. Um, I, well, deadlifts I couldn't do just due, due to my knee. Um, and uh, different environment maybe in the, the Netherlands? Do you think that might have been a contribution to to the pain coming back? Environment in terms of cycling know? or? Uh... Yeah, I mean, there's so many different things. <laughs> like uh, like I said, I don't know. I think what might be is. Um, uh, Jakob, we also talked a lot about this. I used to have this uh, racing bike, um, this old school racing bike. I thought I looked really cool on it. Um, <laughs> this classic hipster, hipster type of uh, a bike that I can go to um, uh, uh, go to work with. And also in the Netherlands, you cycle everywhere, literally everywhere, everywhere. So I was on that bike. That was my main mode of transport. And I think being in that very much extended an arts position um, hinged the whole time over in front um, might have just like slowly contributing each day you know not not one specific thing that happened but just like one for one for one um, and it's interesting that you you talk about the bike because I, I had a patient recently and uh, he's a key mountain biker and uh, he was talking about how uh, particularly going going up um, the slope is is a bit of an aggravating factor and when you look at the postures and you really dig deep into that you are far more arched over going up and then on your yeah. way down you're, you're you're kind of a bit straighter in the back and, and and kind of almost squatting off the back of the saddle and and until we really dug into the the kind of background to what he does he just didn't see that as a as an issue yeah because he's doing exercise so he's thinking well i'm doing that posture could undoubtedly have been 
being the contributing factor, particularly if you're if you're doing that going to work in the morning, particularly if you get on the bike early in the morning and not giving yourself that kind of warm up first 30 minutes of the day, having a bit of a walk before jumping on the bike, maybe then going to work and sitting a lot at work, maybe work was busier as well. So there are so many factors that it's it's sometimes difficult to pinpoint, but no doubt there was something there that was a, a contributing factor and the bike sounds as though it, it could have been one of them. So did you did you feel that it was a real kind of sharp acute pain again was it was it like you were back to to square one what was the experience at that point given all this work and effort you'd put into to getting stronger again yeah so i was very much in denial um <laughs> about this also it wasn't um the pain that i was used to it was a very much a it started very um mild um i could go on and then just started to increase and increase um more during the day um, up until that one night, I, or that night I couldn't even walk down my stairs, um, which was like, whoa, this is scary. Um, haven't had this in a really long time. Uh, went to the physio and they actually thought it was just a, my QL being quite stiff. Um, and uh, they just uh, tried to loosen that up a bit. And I was playing with them as well because I was in denial and it's not my back. And uh, also the week after that, I... Um, I would have gone on my, well, I did go on my first ever ski trip. So even more denial. <laughs> I, I didn't want my back to keep me from going on a ski trip. Sure. Uh, so playing with that and them saying, oh, no, my um, QL is just a bit stiff. And, uh, mm. yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I completely forgot about my disc herniation I had five years ago. Yeah, we, we get that a lot. You know, I, I get patients and they, they go um, – you know, I've just got a few stiff muscles in my back and I'm like, right. You know, I kind of hear that with one ear and the other ear I'm just kind of keeping closed because why would the QL stiffen up, you know, for no reason? And yeah. we talked a lot about this myself and Ben, when said like, you know, the QL is such a big, important muscle next to the spine. That guy doesn't just cramp up. There's a reason why it cramps up. You know, and it's like, yeah. um, I don't know who said that a while ago, but the, the muscles are just simple slaves of the brain. The brain tells it what it should do. So the brain knows what's going on down there. And it tells the muscles to either be nice, supple, or relaxed, or to be stiffened up. So if the QL stiffens up, you got to know, okay, something's up, most likely with the spine. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I fully agree with you there. Um, but just again, being in that denial, um, uh, hindsight or yeah. at that moment I kind of felt yeah this is my disc again but uh, like I said me going on the on the mm. ski weekend or the ski week the next week um, the QL seemed to be a better um, diagnosis at that moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so you went on a skiing trip and uh, and how was it on the skiing trip and what what ultimately took you into uh into jacob's treatment room so the skiing trip was uh, actually quite fine as soon as i warmed up and everything everyone was fine um the last i would say the second to last day my back was acting up quite a bit so i just um uh, stayed at home for the morning did a couple of rollouts and uh, did some mobilization exercises and yeah as soon as uh, uh, my back was warm again um everything seemed to be fine uh, but yeah, um, that actually went fine. 
Um, the reason I actually got to Jakob is a, a mutual friend of ours. Um, like I said, I've actually been struggling with my knee for quite a while. Uh, recommended Jakob and said, yeah, listen to this Jakob guy. He's, um, lives in Nomeg. It's, it's quite a distance for me. But uh, you guys seems like have, you have very similar uh, interests and uh, the way you train and stuff. And um, yeah, maybe he can help you. And uh, at that point, also, I've never been to a chiropractor at all. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to say no to any um, to, to someone that might be able to help me. Um, and uh, when I went to him, I initially booked for my knee. But the day that I went to him, I actually said, listen, yeah, my back started. Uh, so we kind of tried to do that in tandem. And um yeah, that was a bit more than six months ago now. I think February was uh, our first uh, contact session. Just just before the COVID. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jacob, uh, difficult question for you for you here. What was his, um, what was his core strength really like? <laughs> I, I, would, I won't mention his glute strength that he's bragging about. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bragging at all, yeah. No, I'm just joking, Winston. I'm just joking. <laughs> No, um, no, I, I, I didn't specifically test his score in the beginning. I was more concerned with his posterior chain and uh, making sure that we get everything from his feet up to his knee, hip working properly. You know, I, I just more or less assumed, as I could see a, a young, healthy South African in front of me, that his score would have been all right. So I didn't go in on that too much in the beginning. It was more testing glute mead and uh, making sure popliteus in the knee works properly. And um, and eventually we got on to doing some footwork so we can fix his arch and, you know, give, give, giving the knee what looked like, a, you know, like something with a patella and maybe something anterior in the joint line to be a problem, to give that the best possible healing opportunity. But then gradually we moved on to to his back with the treatments and um you know and uh in the beginning it was it wasn't that bad but i have high standards and uh vincent is a healthy guy so so he had to work a little bit and uh and, and it gradually it got better with his core and um I, you know i mean his body took it he i could see he he made it his own quite quickly and what what were the movement patterns like then were there were there things there that you thought yeah that, that's a potential trigger from from your side as a clinician and then vincent from your side after as a as a patient how how was that experience for you compared to what you'd had before and and how it helped i guess so, so jacob first of all i guess or background in terms of yeah. what, what could have been the the aggravating factors that were stopping that that recovery that, at that point so a little bit of lower cross syndrome, you know, um, flaring of the ribs, pelvis a little bit tilted forward, typically with uh, very strong lower back muscles. So he has a you know strong neural drive to the low back, which means he gives a lot of work to the to the erectors, you know, wanting to load up the the back with his uh, with his back muscles, and and maybe he could have done a little bit more with the anterior abdominal wall. Um, and then what was significant was the the glute meds. They were a little bit on holiday, and uh, you know I like to explain it like that. Usually, like, they're not—they're just temporarily gone. They're coming back, <laughs> and uh, you know. So once we fixed that, and uh, a lot of uh, QL work actually, so a lot of uh, 
side plank, building it up to the sideline hip thrust and, and making that dynamic and eventually going into what uh, Vincent's doing now, a bit of stir, stir the pot and uh, side plank roll, you know, all with a lot of control. So it's, inter- it's interesting just to, to jump in there when, you've, when you talk about the QL, because a lot of people, therapists, practitioners would would potentially jump on that QL and start to, to really focus on massage in that deep tissue massage. Whereas for you, the focus was very much on the, the kind of endurance and let's get that muscle working effectively again. Yeah, let's, let's look at an exercise that's going to ask that muscle to work. You know, that's how I look at it. And was there much in the way of passive treatment at this time in terms of manipulation and, and any soft tissue work? Or was it very much based on movement exercise given the background and given given the, the specific um, presentation at that point? Definitely some stiffness in the low back, which I adjusted, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, adjusting to extension. So not wanting to trigger any flexion movement in his low back. And uh, that went quite well. Uh, Vincent uh, might tell you different, but I hope he will agree. <laughs> and uh, But I think the main the main part of the treatment was especially the you know, building the stabilization, removing the pain triggers. And once he mentioned to me that uh, uh, modern uh, race bike of his, we had to remove, we had to remove that factor. You know, I, I don't have to see him on it. I can imagine, I already feel the pain when I, when I just imagine it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Vincent, for you, was it quite a, was it what you were expecting? You said you hadn't seen a chiropractor before, but some people imagine that it's very much that kind of manipulation, passive treatment, and off you go, and then you come back until the pain disappears. Not always, and sweeping generalization, but not always uh, any advice on exercise, and certainly not an approach that that Jacob's just described in terms of that real core strength and movement. Uh, based approach to to rehab how did you find it what was the experience for you well ben firstly um that is exactly the reason why i still go to Jakob, or even though it takes about three to four hours out of my day to get to namega have the session and come back for exactly the type of treatment that i got there wasn't at all what i expected i have this idea of a chiropractor you go in you know crack some bones go out five to ten minutes that's it and um, our first session was, if it was not an hour, it was maybe a bit more than an hour. And um, our first two sessions, he didn't manipulate uh, my spine in any way at all. It was literally all just, okay, the second session doesn't count because it was online. Um, that was in the middle of this COVID situation. Oh, but, yeah. um, those first two sessions, it was purely just movement-based um, exercises and uh, identifying pain triggers. And uh, I think that uh, just put me in a whole different mindset of, you know, this is the guy that I want to work with. Um, I like the way he's thinking and um, uh, I have the same thinking as well. And, uh, yeah, actually our last session was, second last session was the first time ever he he manipulated my spine. Um, And uh, that also definitely did work. But exactly like you said, it uh, completely was the opposite of what I thought uh, is going to happen um yeah and was it a, a surprise for you to i guess get the input about those daily 
habits and those simple movement patterns did you kind of stop stop and think do you know what this makes so much sense and I've never really thought about it before but but actually these are the the small things that so many people do every day that can cause a problem that with a lack of education and the lack of input from the the practitioner or the therapist that they see you know can be overlooked and and a real problem um i would say i knew it to a degree um i think you Jakob just reiterated again and that just made uh, me aware of how important that actually is um just do that like Jakob, what you said that uh, my good meets were on holiday you were you were 100 right because i just came back from a three-week holiday in back home in south africa so so they were on holiday um but that was do you reckon they stayed behind uh well <laughs> I back soon. um no but uh exactly to that and that was a scary thing for me especially me doing specific knee rehab for for three years four years i'd um i wasn't so i wouldn't say i was arrogant but um i was quite confident in my glute meat um because i know any knee-based exercise starts with uh, your glute meat and um coming to him and basically realizing that it's non-existent was quite an eye-opener for me. And that just uh, reminded me that I should uh, just reassess how I do my rehab um, again. Yeah. And so, Jacob, what sort of uh, glute meat exercises did you focus on? Did you scale it right back and do very simple clamshells to kind of get those muscles firing again? Or did you kind of take a different baseline given the rehab, given the age, given the sport in background and say, right, we need to challenge more from the off and I'm confident enough to do so? No, absolutely back to square one, Ben. You know, I mean, I whenever I have, I have a few sports, relatively high-level sporters here in uh, Nijmegen that come to see me, uh, it's also recommended to come and see me. And, you know, I test them. And, and if I see that it's not up to par, then I, I scale it right back, you know, because it's not, a, I don't want to see how, strong they can be within a couple of weeks i want to really strengthen the communication between the brain and those muscles so we start with clamshells you know basic glute clamshells and then you build it up slowly monster walk you know hip airplane once we fix the feet as we did with uh, vincent and eventually um hip thrusters those sort of things and how's it now how's it at this point in time vincent do you feel do you feel you've kind of that that resilience to to it happening again? Do you feel in a good place with your with your core strength at the moment? How's it feel now? Yeah, I mean, um, I, my pain isn't hundred percent away yet, but uh, from the day I started with Jakob till about now, I have about ninety to ninety five percent recovered, if, if if you can use the word recovered in that sense, mm-hmm. where most of the time I'm. Um, where usually it would have been an eight or nine out of 10. Um, the most pain I would feel in the last one or two months was probably a four or five out of 10. Um, and that is especially when, depending at work, if I have a, if we have a session where for that week we had a lot of documentation to complete, then um, for instance, last week I had a bit of pain, but the week before that we had some, a lot of documentation to complete. So this week it's a, uh, it's almost back to uh, the two or, or one or two out of ten um, pain rating I would give it. So, yeah, but just just on that, just to give some more uh, two cents on that, uh, what you would say, resilience. Um, I've, at this moment, I have a bit of a, this philosophy, I would say, called a, 
um, compound interest. So I know that's a very much a, a financial term, but um, I believe that this compound interest, one day of rehab is not going to um, fix my back, but skipping one day of rehab is also not going to um, uh, like keep me from fi- fixing my back. But if I skip one day of rehab once a week, do that for four or five months, that's going to end up to, you know, a couple of weeks of sessions you miss out. And that's where that uh, compound interest comes in, where that one session might not be significant. But if you escalate that to six months where I'm on now, that is going to make a big difference. And I truly believe that's one of the things I would I have done right if I can give myself myself that um that uh, fame is a. Uh, I firmly believed in, you know, yes, I have to do this. Even if it's just half the workout, I have to do at least these three big sessions a week and um, smaller sessions in between that. Um, One session, skipping it might be fine, but I sure as hell need to do that session next week then and uh, uh, make up for that. Yeah, and I think that's a a hugely valuable um, take-home lesson for everybody listening that's suffering from back injury, you know, the... Mm -hmm. The biggest frustration I've ever had in practice is when people have said, I just don't have time to do the exercises. Make time to do the exercises. You know, it's fundamentally important that, you know, you do them as part of a recovery to a lower back injury, particularly an injury of this type. And Jacob and I talk a lot about lifestyle choices and and building this into your lifestyle lifestyle forever. Because only then, like you say, you're going to get that compound kind of growth, that strength, that resilience, that you can be confident that this isn't going to come back. And not only that, you kind of cement a lot of these movement patterns and um, and things into the subconscious. And then then you're doing it without thinking. And that is where you really build the the resilience. And, the, and I, I, I want to agree with you there, Ben. And I think, you know, quite often have the idea in my head that if somebody doesn't have the time to do their exercises, you know, they don't have the time to get better. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, it sounds very harsh, but... Um, I've had patients where I've very discreetly and very nicely put, told them in a second appointment that if we don't, if we don't go ahead with the exercises and they don't do them, then I don't think there's any value for them in their situation, depending on the patient, to continue with me because I can't guarantee them any uh, any success. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's very interesting to see their faces. Quite often, I have, I don't have this very often, but then. Um, they look at me very surprised, and um, yeah. maybe I maybe maybe they're confused by my approach. But I I think it's you know we have to be a little bit harsh. We have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah, what do you want out of it? And if you're happy with you know unpredictable pain, then uh, I think um, you you're okay not doing your exercises. Yeah, and I I think it it's about collaboration. Yeah, I fully agree with that, and and I actually thought about it a lot, and. For me, it's also having an end goal in mind. My end goal is I want to be able to run again. I don't know when that's going to happen, but I would like to be able to run. If it's in, if it's next year this time or if it's going to be in five years, my end goal is going to be I want to run sometime again without any pain. And I thought about it a lot and just thinking like your desire not to have um, back pain should be higher than your desire to sleep in or your desire to not go to gym. And this is, this is maybe going to be a bit harsh, but as long as your desire is to have an hour of extra sleep, mm. then, to, then to have 
chronic pain for the rest of your life, then, you know, that's going to be a bit harsh of me, but you know, then you should kind of live with it then and not complain about it. Cause I think uh, that one hour of uh, uh, sleep that you're going to miss, um, I'm not saying you should sleep five hours a, a night, but um, you can surely get some time somewhere else and uh, do that rehab. That's going to be far more beneficial um, for your for your back pain than, uh, yeah, you not doing it. Yeah, I think that's a, another hugely valuable and relevant point there and uh, a great way to start wrapping up the show, I guess. You know, Vincent, from your point of view, there's some some great insights there into how this injury occurred, what you've done to to recover what you're still doing and the the insights and the expertise you've had from from jacob is there anything else that you would share with the listeners as part of your story uh, other than what you've talked about today ah yeah it's gonna sound very stupid but just want to reiterate on the importance of of uh, how important your your glutes are and uh, i remember the first time during my um post-grad studies we had a, a gross anatomy session and um while we're dissecting the cadaver, the glutes, that was the first time I ever actually saw how big of a muscle your glutes are. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. I couldn't believe it. And when I saw that, my whole idea of how you jump, how I do any training just completely switched. And um, I know these type of cadavers aren't for everyone, but I just kind of wish that everyone can have that visual feedback of how big of a muscle your glute meat, glute um, max, like all your glutes are, all three of them, how important it is mm-hmm. to, to the, uh, your course um, and your posterior chain. Um, and if you have that visual feedback, then you would understand how important these stupid exercises like monster walk, like clams, like um, uh, ball uh, glute bridges, um, hip thrusts, how important they actually are. Um, it's not these, uh, we call it holiday, holiday muscles or, or what, uh, back. Um, get back for back, <laughs> like uh, um, biceps and triceps type of exercise, but uh, the ones that actually help you, um, the non-cosmetic muscles. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you have it, guys. If you're listening in and you've sought some advice for your back health and you haven't had any input on exercises, then challenge those those guys that you see in that practitioner, that therapist to give you that input and goes the same with the glutes. If you've had no input on those glutes, then there's a problem with the treatment. So guys, thank you very much, Vincent. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing that story. Some great insights, some great stories there behind your, your rehab and your recovery. I think it's really valuable for the listeners. So really appreciate your time. Thanks for having been in uh, Jakob. It was a really a great session and uh, yeah, I can't believe that's already 50 minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Vincent. Great, man. Great talking to you. Well, there you have it, guys. A patient's experience of recovery from a herniated disc and taking a movement-based approach to their rehabilitation. So thank you, as always, for listening. We invite you to head on over to the smartstrong.co.uk website, take advantage of our free ebook, and start taking back control of your back health within the next seven days. As always, we ask you to head on over to the iTunes website, give us a rating, give us a review, Help us share the show with others around the world to help them take back control of their back health and start getting back to the activities they love. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again on the next show. 